Welcome back to the Oklahoma Today podcast. I'm your host, Ben Lucian. And you know what? Basketball is my favorite sport. I like the way they dribble up and down the court. Just like I'm the king of the microphone, uh, so is Dr. J and Moses Malone. And do you know who else likes basketball? This would be Coach Mark Danhoff, the Potawatomi Fire, a uh, Shawnee-based professional basketball team. They are the reigning national champs in their league, the TBL. We're going to talk to Coach Danhoff later in the show. Uh, but first, let us uh, I've got a play drawn up for our sponsor, Bravado Wireless. You are called to be bold. You have right to the best wireless service, high-speed internet, and customer service at a price you can feel good about. At Bravado Wireless, we know this. That's why we put you and your community first. Bravado Wireless, the power of connection. So in all seriousness, um, sporting events of all kind um, play a significant role in Oklahoma. Uh, whether you played or um, you watched, you probably have um, some kind of sports-related memory at some point. Uh, so that was our question of the week. We asked, what was your most cherished sports memory uh nathan gunner do you have what comes to mind for you when oh. we talk about sports memories i had to think a really long time about this because i come from a very uh sports sportsy family like a bunch of athletes in my family and we go to a lot of stuff but uh two really two things came to mind really quickly uh you know my i've talked about this before but my parents have had the same season tickets at OU since the 70s uh, and I remember <clears throat> so I've been going to games my whole life and sitting in the same seats but I remember one year I came back from college and uh, it was over Thanksgiving and my mom and I went to an OU game together and back then we used to park and tailgate over by the OU pool if people know where that is and um, but I had so much homework that I didn't really totally have time to be doing that so I brought my homework with me and we sat on the grass and I just did homework for like two hours and we went in the game and for whatever reason that just stands out just that day with my mom. Um, but then probably also uh, my brother played D3 college football for Trinity in Texas. And uh, they played the, they were they went to the D3 national championship while he was there uh, in 2000 in December of 2002 and going to that game uh, and just getting to watch my little brother play at that level, which had always um, been his dream um, was just I just in the you know. That's just they didn't even win, but it was just such a cool thing to get to see him do. And he's got a ring that's like the size of my head now. And um, nice. That was neat. Yeah. So those those stuck out to me. What was that championship game like? Uh, very. I felt bad. So there, <laughs> they had an all American quarterback who had been ejected from the team the week before for oh. getting arrested at a party. <laughs> uh, so they were down. They were down to their second string quarterback who'd never played at all that season. It was a bunch of kids from South Texas playing in Virginia in the middle of December. Mm-hmm. Uh, in negative twenty, like a negative twenty oh, wow. windshield, um, against a team from Minnesota. Wow. So they did not do well. Yeah. Doesn't sound like the environment. No. It was no. just the whole deck was stacked against them. Just the whole deck. But they played their hearts out, and I was really proud of them. So. Mm-hmm. Very yeah. cool. Uh, senior editor, Carly Barra, what is your uh, memory here? <laughs> I don't have, like, a very specific sports memory, but um, tennis was something that both my mom and dad liked to play, and sometimes they would play together. And so I think just, like, in general, like if there's a tennis game on TV, like I can feel my, uh, like m- m- I'm, I feel more relaxed 
because I know, I don't know. I just, I guess it's from when I was a kid and like my parents were in such a good mood whenever they were doing that, that it always just kind of relaxed me. Also tennis is just kind of a relaxing sport to watch because it's just very, you know, back and forth. So to this day, tennis is my favorite sport to watch on TV. A very relaxing sport to watch, a very not relaxing sport to play. Absolutely. (laughs) It can get pretty intense. Uh, Megan Rossman, sports memories. Um, I grew up being awoken on Saturdays by men screaming at OU football. So (laughs) it is, uh, even though I did not live in Oklahoma yet, like, you know, my, that's where my parents met and stuff. We, we were, had Oklahoma roots and they were lifelong every, the men in my family, like OU football has been a part of my life since I was an infant. So it's like I feel nostalgic sometimes for the sound of my dad screaming. <laughs> at least I don't use football. That's <laughs> not... the true Saturday siren. Uh, the, <laughs> not the tornado siren, the touchdown. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. There was always a lot of yelling that I did I I did not appreciate it at the time, but now now I have come to. And since a lot of games uh kick off at 11 a.m i mean it kind of even precedes the siren in a lot of cases True. Mm-hmm. and megan uh nothing that we could probably repeat on the podcast but knowing your stories about your dad i'm sure some of those things were very creative as a he's creative is a nice way of putting it <laughs> some might say vulgar <laughs> um research editor kirsten stone uh, you're about to tell us about your world championship wrestling career I, yep. uh, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I'm not super into big like sports and stuff. I like watching like UFC fights, but um, I had to think about this one, and I think I decided that like my most like I really like this one. Uh, a few years ago, my dad's fire department was like they got picked to do like an honorary thing at one of the Thunder games, and one of the guys couldn't oh. make it, so he took me with the team, and it was really fun because like. I'm not super into basketball, but it was a fun experience. And like, we got to go be in like one of the lounges before the game and we had dinner and then we sat courtside at the Thunder game. That's cool. Oh yeah, that is awesome. Oh, I like that the the, the Thunder are like honoring a small town fire department that way. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think they have like different teams and they'll do like different places like that around the state, like not just fire departments, but theirs was picked for that one. So it was super fun. That's cool. Whenever you sit that close at a at a basketball game, like I, I like going to basketball games, but when you're that close, it's just like it's a whole nother level. Yeah. Because um, yeah. you get all the uh, all the sights and uh, sounds are just amplified up close. Ben, I think I know what your favorite sports memory is. I think it's when you, you know, hit that assist to win the NBA championship in 2013. Uh, uh, yeah. But I'd, I'd, like to, I'd like to hear your version of that story. <laughs> Uh, well, um, so I, I'm a sports, uh, fan, sports guy. Uh, there's a lot of directions I could go with this. Um, but basically the, um, the game that always comes to mind, I've been to a lot of, um, OU games in my time, um, OU football, basketball, other sports. Uh, the most memorable OU game I attended was, um, with my dad in, I think it was 2014 and there was just this 
huge rainstorm, just driving rainstorm throughout the whole game. It made uh, OU was playing Kansas, and it made passing the ball. Were you there, Nathan? I was there. Yeah. You were there. I was at the game. Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, then you know how <laughs> memorable that whole thing was. Uh, the word I the word, the word is miserable. You mispronounced <laughs> miserable. Miserable. Exactly. Uh, you could if you sat in your seat the whole game, you probably uh caught a cold or something. I'm gonna guess. Anyway, so that sounds that sounds miserable. What I'm describing is miserable right now. But, um, and they were playing Kansas, who at the time wasn't that great. Uh, but because of all the rain, it made passing the ball pretty much impossible. So they gave it. They had to. Oh, you had to run the ball basically the whole time. And with the running back was uh, Samaje Pirine was his yep. name, and he set the uh, all-time record for rushing yards in the game. Uh, so that was cool. I got the I got the witness history, and it was a little bit of uh, something an experience I could share with my dad. Um, you know, maybe it wasn't the perfect sunshiny game, but we can always talk about that time we were in the the monsoon in Norman. It's so funny that all of our memories had to do with our parents, isn't it? That's true. Yeah, I think um, that's where uh, you make a lot of, uh, especially my family is so like sports oriented and we've got so many different sports things to look back on uh, through the years. We had a lot of great answers on social media as well. Um, These are a little longer than what we normally get. So you you all are, get ready for story time. Uh, Mary McCauley Reger, I believe I said her name right, she said, uh, and this was a particularly long one, the year was 1982. La Lady Raiders won the first state Class B basketball tournament at the Big House. Our coach, Miss Edgar Karen Knight, in parentheses, coached us and worked for years to get our Lomega girls to where we were and still are today. It took discipline, dedication, and years in the making with fundamentals and never giving up the dream mentality. My sister, Phyllis Prickett, was a guard on the then six-on-six team. I was a freshman and felt very privileged to be on the bench. Lessons that Miss Edgar instilled with us today have helped us uh, and our teammates endure the difficulties in life, such as illness with cancer, Diana Hauser, uh, Diana Hauser Hoysel, uh losing a spouse, and basically... Uh, the message, the takeaway is never give up with the Class B tournament upon us in March. Let's go Raiders. So, Mary, that was a great uh, story you shared with us. Um, sports can teach a lot of lessons in life, for sure. Lacey Wooten, um, she said, seeing my dad inducted into the OFBCA, that's the Oklahoma Football Coaches Association, powerlifting Hall of Fame. Uh, so oh, congratulations cool. to wow. your dad, Lacey. Diana M. Smith said game one of the 2015 World Series, Sunday, wow. October 27th, Royals versus Mets in KC. She drove 3.5 hours to get there. The Royals won 5-4 to four just after midnight in the 14th inning, and then they were home that, that the next day, I guess, by 4 a.m. So right after this long marathon game, Go straight home at 4 a.m. And she says, best night ever. Uh, I'd have to agree with that. Winning the uh, World Series. Yeah. You can't top that. Definitely the longest night ever. <laughs> For sure. And then finally, Amanda Shankle Knowlton. 
says she was my prom grade. date. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's my buddy. Yeah. Very cool. Uh, they said first grade ish. My softball team lost our first game of a tournament at Woodson Park, bright and early Saturday morning. We fought our way back up through the losers bracket and beat the same team twice at the end uh, to win the tournament late Sunday afternoon. It was like a drug. And yeah, <laughs> adrenaline uh, can be like a drug for sure. Not that I would know anything about that. Um, right. All right. So now let's talk some hoops, which coach Mark Danhoff and the Potawatomi Fire. So we're joined today by uh, Mark Danhoff, head coach of the 2023 TBL champion Potawatomi Fire. Uh, they're a professional basketball team based in Shawnee and owned by the Citizen Potawatomi Nation. Uh, they start their season March 1st at Fire Lake Arena. Mark, how are you doing today? Doing well. Doing yes. well. Happy to be on here and visiting with you again. Uh, yeah. We're looking forward to it. Yeah. So for the listeners, we actually, um, for our March, April issue, uh, we have a story about the the champion Potawatomi Fire in that issue. So be sure to look out for that. Uh, you all just had uh, like your ring ceremony um, celebrating the championship, right? Yeah, absolutely. It was a really nice event. Uh, Mr. Qualls and and uh, the citizens of Potawatomi Nation put on for us. Had a terrific turnout of several sponsors and members of the Shawnee community who came out to support uh, and watch our guys, our dance team, our staff, uh, and several other people receive rings for winning the national championship. Yes. Whenever, um, when you have a championship winning team, um, does that sort of bring like a, a greater, an even greater sense of like community around it um, among the players, but then also among, you know, everyone who's around the team as well? Yeah, I, I really think it was a combination of, of things uh, that took place this last year. You know, first and foremost, we've already had a pretty good fan base, uh, a group of members of the Shawnee community and, and Potawatomi Fire Nation who uh, support us uh, day in and day out and win or loss, they're there for us and, and support us. But as you're winning, it tends to grow a little bit and more and more people really just find out about you and, and find out how much fun it is to go to a game and, and to interact with our players and get to know them. Uh, I think those play really big factors in your fan support. And I also think that in a strange way, when we had the tornado, uh, uh, in about the middle of the season, uh, where a lot of people were disrupted in their lives and, and the fire were a chance to get out and get away and not think about that part of what's going on with them. And, and our players were thinking about the members of the community and, and supporting them back. And, uh, we kept writing Shawnee strong on our board every day. Uh, and it was our goal to give them something, you know, a release to come out and enjoy something before they had to return to, you know, whatever they had back home that they had to deal with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. Time and time again, you hear about um, how sports can be sort of a rallying point for communities um, getting behind the team to, to help lead them through some, some trying times. So um, Absolutely. yeah, for sure. Um, I also heard, uh, I was talking to Chris a little bit before this, I heard you had the uh, the TBL draft you were at recently. Yeah, yeah, we just got back yesterday from Indianapolis. Uh, we went out for TBL league meetings, uh, both 
TMO general manager meetings, administrative meetings, and also the coaches have their meetings take place at the same time. And then, you know, it was a really big turnout this year in terms of the number of participants trying to get drafted at, at this combine. I think they said they had about 150 on Saturday, and it sure looked like they had well over 100 on Sunday. Uh, but every team gets two draft picks unless they do some kind of trading. Uh, and uh, we ended up taking one young man in the first round. Uh, we had a really late draft pick. Uh, we're pleased with our choice, and we ended up trading away our second round pick. Mm -hmm. Oh, very nice. What is the uh, so is this all in one room? Like, how does the TBL draft work? I'm really curious about that. Yeah, so the other night, you know, we obviously have um, not really a stage, but things set up all front, and all the all the coaches and GMOs or whoever they have representing them set up at an individual table. So all the teams are. Uh, situated in the big room a conference room uh they put up who's on who's on the clock and they've got two minutes to turn in a pick and and then uh, either the commissioner or the president will announce who their pick was and then you'll go and do an interview uh in the media back area and then return to your table and wait for your next pick or watch whoever picks next but you got two minutes in between every pick it's fun to watch to see who people choose and uh probably the most exciting part is just seeing uh you know 70 some kids get drafted on we do round one on sunday evening and then round two is by zoom mm -hmm. uh uh when you're back in your office so just to see that that many kids are getting opportunities and invites to training camp yes yeah there's something <laughs> i'm a big draft nerd so um there's always just a certain energy around a draft i can't explain it but it gets exciting yeah, absolutely. And I, I'm just happy for the guys. And we were we were thrilled in so many ways. We're really happy with the young man that we chose. Uh, what we were pleased with our short list of guys that we were considering to draft were all chosen. Uh, and we had an exposure showcase uh, a few months ago uh, where we invited the coaches and TMOs from all the teams in the league. Uh, and we had roughly about 28, 30 guys there. We thought our talent level was pretty good. And two of our guys that were at the camp were drafted in the second round. So we, we really enjoyed seeing that as well. Mm -hmm. So uh, the season starts for you all March 1st. Have you finalized um, the roster yet? Is that still in progress? Do you know how many players might be coming back from last year? Uh, where are you sort of in that area? Yeah, we're five days away from training camp. Uh, we have signed 10 players. And then we've got a couple spots left and we've got some young men that we've invited to training camp to compete, to make the roster. Now they, they might beat somebody out that we signed. We don't know, uh, but they're competing for, for some final spots on our roster. And we're excited about those four uh, that we've have planned to come in uh, besides the 10. So we're really excited about how competitive this training camp is going to be. I've got seven returning from last year uh, who I already know are extremely competitive and, and demanding and have high expectations again this year. So they're going to hold everybody accountable. And I really like the three that we signed that we're bringing in that will be new this year already. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, so I'm curious, uh, does have, having won the, the title uh, last season, uh, do you feel like that puts um, maybe a bit of a target on the team's back? I mean, people, teams are going to know that they're going up against the uh, defending champs, you know, when they play them. 
Yeah, I, I think this last year we had somewhat of a target on our back already. Uh, people would look at our roster on paper and say, wow, they're going to be pretty talented. They're going to be pretty good. Uh, so we got everybody's best shot. But now this year, uh, after winning the championship last year, uh, we'll be measured in a different way. Everybody's going to measure themselves against us when they play us to see how they um, stand up to us. Uh, and and measure themselves to see where they're at. Uh, the journey is going to be different for us. It's going to be much more difficult. Like you said, the target gets bigger. The expectations are higher. But as I tell the guys every year, you know, you want to be someplace with high expectations. You don't want to go somewhere where, you know, you know, if you lose, it's okay. Or if you just average, it's okay. Cause you want to be the best you can be, uh, whatever that may be. So we embrace those expectations with the understanding that, uh, you know, people are going to come after us. We're going to have to be even better in some areas that were maybe not as good as we had wanted to be. And we think we've, we've answered that with some guys we've signed in our draft picks. Uh, and, and we just have to raise our game as locked in as we were last year. We have to be even more locked in. Uh, we've got to be uh, sacrifice even more. Uh, we've got to continue to mesh and look at that one vision you know, I was telling Chuck, our point guard yesterday, and I've told him a couple of times, but, you know, in the game of basketball at this time, anywhere in the world or any level, you just don't find many opportunities to be the first at something. Mm -hmm. So we have an opportunity to be the first. Nobody's won back-to-back -back in the TBL. So we would be the first to do that if we could accomplish that. So that's really a, a new goal and a new expectation and raising the bar for ourselves uh, and, and we really have made it clear that we are not defending a championship because uh, I think when you try to defend something, uh, you tend to fail more than you don't. And then uh, but we're going to embrace this opportunity and seize the day and and take advantage of the chance to do it again. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, yeah. Gr great points. And um, does the does having won the championship, does that affect? Um, how you approach what you do going into the season, or is it sort of business as usual? It, it does affect it. You know, we spent a lot of time. I've I've been on the phone with several coaches, pro, college level, uh, all various levels, and just talking to guys who have won championships in the past and how they approach going into the next season. And a lot of them had, had repeated, uh, and some didn't make it. But just kind of getting a feel for the things that they did in their approach that worked for them, didn't work for them, uh, and then tried to figure out how that works for us. So, and I've told my staff just the other day, no, we, we have to be better. And I think they thought I was referring to my players, but I said, no, we have to be better. We have to be better as a staff. We have to raise our game as much as our players do because we don't want to be the reason we don't accomplish something. Uh, but my biggest thing with all expectations and everything, my, my big thing, and I told the staff and I, and Sunday night in our first team meeting, I'll tell the players, whatever happens, we're going to enjoy this journey, have fun with it. Uh, because it's so hard, we don't want to get caught up in, in, you know, being just too disappointed over something uh, that we can't regroup. And we did a great job last year of refocusing after a tough game, maybe the day before, two days before, a week before. Uh, we always responded extremely well, and that's how we're going to have to be this year. Right. Um, so I haven't had a chance yet to ask you about just your own uh, personal history. Uh, you grew up in uh, Wisconsin, right? Yeah, absolutely. In La Crosse, Wisconsin. 
Yes, yes. Uh, was it a big basketball family? Like, what was your uh, basketball background? Uh, you know, my brothers and I, we played all three sports, football, basketball, baseball. Uh, my parents weren't big athletes uh, when they were kids, uh, but they certainly were behind it and everything that we did. Uh, I still talk to my brothers all the time about how they ever did it with all of us being in a different sport with a different practice at a different time and no cell phones and having to plan their day out about who's taking who where and who's picking up who and where are we going to get dinner on the way home, you know? Yeah. So it's just amazing how they accomplished that. But, you know, they're our biggest supporters. They've been behind us 100%. They sacrificed to allow us to have things and do things that maybe they did or didn't get to do when they were kids. But, uh, you know, they're a part of the journey with us at all times. Right. Uh, at what point did you realize that you wanted to get into coaching? And did you think that you'd be doing it uh, for as long as you have been now? Because it's like you have like 30 years of experience, right? Yeah, you know, I tell people this and everybody laughs, but we, my brothers and I grew up playing at the boys and girls club. In fact, when we first started playing, it wasn't girls club wasn't included. It was just the boys club, mm -hmm. uh, an old church on Avon, Avon street in La Crosse, Wisconsin, uh, tile floors. And if you use the backboard, it was going to sound like it was thundering outside and uh. old deal. And that's where we grew up playing. And, and, and it was a highly respected athletic program there with terrific coaches. Uh, and honestly, you know, I think, my brothers and I, and especially we all thought we were going to probably be baseball players, but I ended up being basketball and, and they were really good baseball players uh, as well. But when I actually knew it, I was in sixth or seventh grade and there was a basketball tournament at the time that was a pretty big deal in our city for youth. And I think it was an eighth grade tournament and the seventh graders got invited up to play on the eighth grade team. So we practiced with the older guys and and I was just sitting there watching my coach, you know, run practice and explain things to us and teach us. And I just thought that sat there thinking, this is what I want to do one day. Mm -hmm. And did I know it was going to take me here? Uh, you know, no, not at all. You know, the aspirations, I never had aspirations of playing professional basketball. I wanted to play college basketball and I never had any aspirations of coaching pro basketball. Uh, but uh, I did want to coach college basketball at the highest level and I was fortunate enough to do that and then the opportunity to coach professional basketball everybody kept telling me that you know this could be your niche a little bit maybe you need to do it take a look at it and we did and we're having a lot of fun trying mm -hmm. uh what is it uh having coached um for as many years as you, as you have uh, what is it about coaching that really um like appeals to you um what, what keeps you going I guess the relationships. Mm -hmm. We spend a lot of time in our culture talking about relationships between player to player, coach to player, and coach to coach. Uh, and I think it's those relationships that allow us to succeed because you can't hold anybody accountable without having a relationship with them because people get defensive and things like that. But when you have a relationship with somebody, you can hold them accountable. You can you can get them to do things at the highest level. Uh, but for me, it's always been the relationships. When I was in college, I said, it's not a relationship of just four years now, uh, coaching pro. It's not just a relationship, whether that's one year, two years, three years or whatever. It's a relationship of a lifetime. And we always say we're family and mm -hmm. we always 
a lot of our text messages say family forever. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's the phone calls, the text messages, um, the emails from former players 20, 25 years ago. And even sooner that they, they reach out, they're just checking in. Uh, they want to tell me they're getting married. They want to tell me they're having a child. Uh, just sharing with me, they're changing jobs. Th- that's what it's all about. Yeah, It's really coaching people uh, and having relationships with these young men uh, that last a lifetime. I, I don't have any children personally. My, my wife has two from a previous marriage and, and two wonderful kids. Uh, well, they're not kids anymore. <laughs> they're older yeah. now. But uh, every year we adopt this basketball team, whoever these young men are, and and we think of them as our own children, and and they're our family, they're our basketball family. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, so having experienced um, the college level and uh, now like professional, do you think there are those uh, levels coaching at those levels uh, are they more similar or, or more different? Like, is it night and day, or I don't know. It's not night and day. It's uh, it's different in its own ways, and then it's got its similarities. Mm-hmm. Uh, this level, you have a bunch of young men still trying to get better and trying to advance and move up as high as they can, just like the college kids are. Uh, so their player development is something that's very important to them and to us and, and providing opportunities where they can you know, test what level can they get to and how high can they go. So those things are very similar. The two games are quite a bit different, uh, especially when you think about uh, a shorter shot clock, defense of three seconds um, in the pros that that certainly changes your style of play and the way you think. And, you know, being able to advance the ball to half court uh, after some timeouts late in the game changes things as well. Uh, but in terms of competitiveness and playing hard and, and competing, uh, you know, those things are all similar, but the, the difference for me has been more off the court. And that's, you know, when you're coaching college, you still have to check their classes and academics are a big part of your day. Um, it both, both are very demanding, uh, levels of the game, but there's a lot of things that, you know, aren't necessarily basketball related in college and the pros it's all basketball yeah i mean there's worry about ineligibility or academics or now nil or porthole or anything like that so yeah uh, to me that's my favorite part because it's all basketball what i love to do and it's the relationships and it's the players and you're focused on all the same things all the time right yes um so correct me if i'm wrong but the fire uh, hasn't lost at home. Um, like you all were undefeated at home last year, right? Yes, sir. Yes. Was, was, is that the fans or what? How? What would you attribute that to? I think it's a combination. I think we have the best fans in the TBL. Mm-hmm. Uh, they are behind us 100%. Uh, there are games where we're not playing at our best and they refuse to let us lose. Uh, we had a game this last year in the semifinals in the West champ Western championship against Seattle. We were already up one game to none and we were down. I, I believe it was 18 points in with eight and a half minutes to go. And, you know, we were about ready just to rest for game three and, and they just refused to let us. We came back. Not only do you would think you're down by that much with so much time, you probably won at the buzzer if you won at all. And we ended up winning by 10, mm-hmm. uh, just had an amazing eight and a half minutes and it was field. 
by our crowd uh, and their enthusiasm and their energy was just amazing. So that's a big part for us. And just their support in general makes us want to go out and play for them every single night. Right. Uh, and we just we love being in front of our fans uh, and playing for them when anytime we can. Right. Um, so I, I believe the last team to win um, in Fire Lake Arena, that was uh, the Enid Outlaws, right? And uh, a good bit of trivia, I believe you were the coach of that Enid team, right? Yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. Yeah, so that's why, I mean, uh, I guess that's why they're undefeated is because the coach who uh, beat them is coaching for them now. Well, I wouldn't say that is the <laughs> I would think that the guys who – uh, are playing for us, you know, they, they are, yes. the reason, and I'm the reason we lose. You know? <laughs> uh, they get all the credit and they deserve it. And their, their, their ability to just focus in on one vision altogether has just been a major reason why, and a key reason why we've been able to do what we've been able to do. Mm -hmm. um, so uh, how excited are you uh, going into like a new season, especially this one after uh you know a very notable season last year yeah every year is a new year and you know a new journey uh it's certainly not a sprint and we're really excited that we're five days away and it felt like yesterday i was saying we're still three months away yeah. so everybody around here is getting excited anxious uh our players have been reaching out for the last several months can't wait to get there can't wait to get it started again uh so everything's starting to pick up and we're getting doing our last, you know, wrapping up our last details to be ready to go come Sunday. Uh, we'll have physicals and a team dinner and a team meeting. And then on Monday morning, we'll have a couple two a days and we'll, we'll uh, see where this training camp takes us. Mm -hmm. Is it sort of a relief to finally see that first ball, you know, tipped? Uh, just because that once it gets to that point, like it's just basketball, you know? Yeah, you know. For me, I love practice. So mm -hmm. when we get going Monday morning, you know, you walk in the arena and these guys are going to be anxious there. All those veterans are going to already be out there getting their shots up, doing their routine to get ready. Uh, and then just to finally blow that whistle and meet at center court and just let this thing begin and, and enjoy that journey. Right. Okay. Well, this, the schedule, uh, your first game is March 1st. And I believe the schedule and ticket information, that will be at uh, potawatomifire.com for all those fans who want to go check that out. Uh, yes. Well, Mark, do you have any other uh, comments or any message uh, for the fans uh, coming into the new season? Hey, we, we need you. And uh, we need that energy, that enthusiasm, that support. Uh, we certainly appreciate it. I know the guys do. Uh, it's one of the reasons I want to come here to play in front of all of you and for all of you. So come on out. We, we know it's going to be a tough season in terms of our opponents and what to expect from everybody. And there'll be some uh, adversity. But if you guys are there, I'm sure that'll help us overcome whatever whatever comes our way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, uh, Coach Danoff, I'm excited. Uh, I'm planning to come out to a game at some point in the season. Uh, especially I know the fire play at a uh, really high, uh, really qu high quality level. Um, so I want to check that out for sure as a big basketball fan myself. Welcome anytime. Yes. Well, thank you. Um, yeah. So the season starts March 1st and you can check out ticket information at Potawatomi 
www.thepowerhouse.com. Uh, thanks for coming in, Coach. Really appreciate it. Anytime. Always an enjoy. Yes. That's such a crazy story. Yes. Um, I didn't know I, anything about that. And then I was driving out last year on I-40 out by Shawnee by the Grand Casino, and they had a billboard up for it. And I was like, what is that? And I Googled it. Yes. And um, that is actually uh, – we have a story about the Potawatomi fire in our March-April issue, which um, I'm, I'm, subscribers might have that now by the time this comes out. Possibly. Should. I'm not yeah, sure. Should. If not, call us. Yes. Yes. Uh, and I had a lot of fun writing that. Uh, they were really good to me. So shout out to the Potawatomi Fire. I'm going to try to go to a game this year. So uh, totally normally awesome. it would be time to plumb the depths of uh, the Travel OK uh, event calendar for our weekly pod events. However, uh, we do have a second ad read in this episode. Yeah, look it up. Hey! Oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, this episode... It's brought to you by the Oklahoma Museums Association, dedicated to empowering the more than 500 museums across Oklahoma to strengthen their offerings and serve their communities. OMA members are an important part of the collective Oklahoma Museum voice, and members receive access to a variety of resources to help them connect to the museum profession. More information is available at okmuseums.org. All right. Oh, so, 500 museums in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Yep. Very, very good. Uh, so about those pod events, um, I worked long and hard curating these lists to share <laughs> to you all. Megan rejected mine, unfortunately. Well, she's got a better one. It's okay. Uh, who would like to go first uh, and share their pod event? I, I will. Oh, mm-hmm. Megan beat you to the punch, Carly. Okay, well, when you're thinking of seafood destination, it is unlikely that the city of Frederick will spring to mind immediately, but on March 2nd, you might want to think twice. Every year, a member of the Frederick Oyster Fry Committee drives down from southwestern Oklahoma to Port Lavaca, Texas, the day before the festival to retrieve 140 gallons of fresh Gulf oysters. After they arrive back at their final destination, volunteers fry them up and visitors gobble them down at the Prather Brown Center. But this festival goes well beyond munching mollusks. People can also eat accompanying sides and baked goods, admire some chrome in the local car show, play bingo, peruse the craft show, go on a walking tour of downtown, or dare to enter the kids zone. For more information, visit frederickokchamber.org. Yeah. I've never been though. Me too. I went. And as I have shared with all of you now, and will now share with our listeners, many oysters are still alive when you eat them if you order raw oysters. So one thing about this festival is that they're fried, so you can be assured that they are not alive. You can get raw oysters there too, but the fried are much, much more popular. Yes. So you, you've been to that, Carly? Uh-huh. Was it fun? It was really fun. Um, they have a little, like, art show, uh, craft fair thing that you can walk around and buy, you know, your local goods. And then um, the, the festival itself, um, like, you're just sitting in these, like, long tables. So you kind of have to sit by people that you don't know. So it's a really good opportunity to, to meet people. That sounds like fun. Mm-hmm. And you don't hear the the uh, raw oysters screaming for mercy. No, not, not that I can hear. <laughs> Just uh, use your use your Hannibal Lecter voice when you eat. 
eat them fast. <laughs> uh, Carly, you said uh, you wanted to read your event. Yes, I'm going to have to anyway, so you might as well. Okay, excellent. <laughs> the Cruise V2 has an all-wheel suspension and a patented two-stage system. The sleek frame is made of carbon steel and comes standard with saddle leather seats. Its streamlined design gives you more without weighing you down. So stroll down bumpy streets, maneuver around a crowded mall, and load your basket with whatever you need. Would it surprise you to know that that was marketing copy for a baby stroller? A pleasant <laughs> surprise for anyone who noticed the line about maneuvering around a crowded mall, I hope. They need all that fancy marketing speak, too, because Up a Baby sells the Cruise V2 for $700. Any parent will tell you that isn't, isn't even that expensive. A good stroller can put you back upwards of $1,000. As long as it's the norm to charge new parents outlandish sums for safe products for their precious charges, the Just Between Friends sale will be there to proffer much more reasonably priced baby goods, including strollers, maternity wear, and just about everything for kids. You can find a confabulation of consigners at the Tulsa Expo Center between February 28th and March 3rd and get excellent deals on still very excellent necessities. And admission is free. Visit tulsa.jbfsale.com for more info. Wow, you wrote yourself a bit of a tongue twister. <laughs> I did. <laughs> That's a but good thing. It is a great event because I, I looked at, I was just like pricing random baby goods. Stuff for babies is expensive. That's so. ridiculous. We should yeah. just push our children in wheelbarrows or something. <laughs> That's, That's what my parents did. Or you could just go to the just the the friend sale and then, you know, get a yeah. and, not do that. and not have CPS get called. <laughs> uh, Kirsten Stone, uh, what is your event this week? Well, let your, if, if you want to know what mine is, you should let your taste buds take you on a trip across the pond to experience Ireland's culinary culture. At Uncork Your Support, hosted by the Young Scholars of Bartlesville, you can sample traditional wines and food from Ireland, bid on amazing items in a silent auction, and try your luck at the wine pool. You can do all this while also supporting a good cause because all of the money raised throughout the event will go to support local Oklahoma students as they are preparing for college through mentoring and life skills classes. And this event is for ages 21 and up because of the wine, um, but tickets will cost $100 and the event will take place on March 2nd, starting at seven at St. John Father Lynch Hall in Bartlesville. For more information, you can call 918-766-6675. That sounds like fun. I love Irish food. I do too. I know, I do too. Yeah. And wine. I didn't know there was Irish wine, but I, I yeah, that, I'm curious. I'm less familiar with Irish wine. Yeah. Maybe I they just mean Jameson. Irish wine. Yeah, maybe it's code for something else. Probably just means Jameson. <laughs> uh Nathan, what is your event this week? Um, it was a good one. Thank you for giving it to me uh, because it goes back to our question of the week about family sports moments. Because another thing that we always used to do as a family, it only kind of qualifies as a sport, but we went did a lot of fishing. Um, so like I grew up fishing at Foss Lake and Canton and Vanderwerk and just if there was water in western Oklahoma, we fished in it. Um, and, and in the summer, we would always go out to Colorado and go trout fishing. So if 
and that was always a really good time too. Um, so if you're wanting to introduce your kid to the joys of fishing, specifically trout fishing, you can come to the Kids Trout Fish Out at the Dale Robertson Center Pond in Yukon from 8 to 11 a.m. Saturday, March 2nd. All kids must be accompanied by an adult, um, and prizes will be giving, given out in various categories, including a $25 gift card to any kid who catches a golden trout. For, you know, sometimes standing still for long periods of time is not something kids are great at. So if you're needing to kind of turn the volume down on their energy a little bit, there's also a race around the pond and uh, tons of activity, tons of other activities uh, that give prizes and all kind of things just to help them burn off some energy. So they don't have to stand there the whole time with a rod and reel in their hand. Uh, for more info, call 405-350-8937 or visit yukonok.gov. Very nice. One of my favorite things about children is that you can just like make a contest about running around and then they'll tire themselves out. It's totally. Awesome. <laughs> You're not going to let that other kid you just met beat you, are you? And off they go. You know, I was in a uh, I was in a uh, a youth fishing tournament um, at at uh, Greenleaf State Park. Really? Did you win? Uh -huh. A good place to fish. I think we actually got like second or third place. I think. Nice. Wow. Like, when was that? Like a few weeks ago, or? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> this was when, yeah, I was uh, I was a youth or you a beat, child. All the children. You went and beat all the children. Yeah. Uh, there was a child who came up to us while we were fishing, um, and me and my me and my brother still repeat this to our uh, as an inside joke today. But he he had a uh, a fish eyeball on his finger, and he came up to us and he said, "Eyeball." Like he was offering it to us, and so every once in a while, me and my brother will still go, <laughs> will still go eyeball. Kids <laughs> uh, wow. are so weird. They're so weird. Uh, anyway, there's no, there's no transition out of that. Ben, what's your event? Uh, yeah, so it's that it's that time again. That special time. It happens every four years. Gets all kinds of special news coverage, and today that helps us single out most powerful people on the planet. That's right. It's leap year, folks. A day yeah. for celebrating the only true wizards to walk among us. Leap year babies. I know they have to be magic, because how else can you explain that a person could have grandchildren at just 17? I don't know what other powers leap year birthday havers might possess, but there's a reason you don't hear anyone speak ill of them. And what is surely an attempt to placate our quadrennial rulers, Newcastle's Magnolia Blossom Ranch Alpaca Farm is holding its leap year or its leap day, free day, this Saturday, opening up opportunities to snuggle with its fuzzy herd and participate in a special fiber workshop and other free activities. Yes, the day will be celebrated in true leap day birthday fashion in March. That's right, <laughs> leap day, free day. <laughs> does not even occur on Leap Day at all. That actually makes sense because when you only get to celebrate once every four years, you really deserve a week full of celebrations. At least that's the story I'm telling all our February time lords out there. Uh, if, you plan on, if you plan on heading over to Magnolia Blossom Ranch, pack a lunch, and plan a visit to the gift shop while you're there, for more information, call 405-412-8545 or visit magnoliablossomranch.com. 
Uh, yeah, that was really cool. When I saw the their Leap Day celebration was uh, the following Saturday, I knew, oh, I got to write that one up. <laughs> uh, and it, and alpacas. You can't alpacas. beat alpacas. Everyone loves an alpaca. That's they true. Do. They mm-hmm. do. Which one are, is it the alpacas or the llamas that spit? It's the llamas, right? Llamas. Yeah. Llamas. The alpacas have a blast off. They... I was going to say, don't they both spit? Um, uh, alpacas are <laughs> less too, like, I think, I get the sense that llamas will do it just kind of, you know, they're jerks. Llamas yeah. are jerks. Alpacas are more peaceful. We like alpacas. <laughs> yeah. I like llamas too. There was a llama spitting video that did very well on America's Funniest Videos recently. They almost won the 100,000, but they missed. Mm. Oh, try, yeah. ne- try harder next time, llama. <laughs> <laughs> very funny, but not... Uh, as funny as it could be. Uh, star of the show. Star of the show. I'm divided between uh, Megan for her great oyster facts and then Carly for her uh, baby stroller copy. Uh, I just I can't really make a decision. I think there. Uh, I think it's a double star. I think double both star. Shining stars of the podcast. I can, I can accept that if Carly can. <laughs> I suppose. <laughs> See, this is the great thing about sports. It brings us together because this is a sport after all. <laughs> uh, but hey, if you like the show and you still can't get enough, head to oklahomatoday.com or pick up the latest issue on newsstands right now. Send your feedback to OKTPod at travelok.com. I'll talk to you again next week. The Oklahoma Today podcast is a protection of Oklahoma Today magazine and the Oklahoma Tourism and Recreation Department. Your hosts are Oklahoma Today editors Nathan Gunner, Kali Ibarra, Megan Rossman, Kirsten Stone, and Ben Lucian. Theme song, editing, and production help by Oklahoma Today's production manager, Bridget Sloan. Shout out to Bridget. For more information, visit oklahomatoday.com. Goodbye. Now it's over.